Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. the Fulhamish podcast my name is Sammy James this is your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast and welcome to Fulhamish Extra which is what we do now every single week we bring you a little bit of extra content previewing the next match and a few talking points along the way so in tonight's episode we're going to preview tomorrow's FA Cup third round match against Southampton at the Cottage and we're going to look at the January transfer window who should Fulham be signing and who do we not want to see, or who do we want to see, leave Mottsburg Park this month? On the podcast with me tonight is Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Hello, extra listeners. What's going on? <laughs> Farrell Monk. Hello, people. And Ben Jarman. Hello, extra listeners. I like that. Extra who listeners. gives you extra? Who? Who? Full of do. do. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new theme tune. Done. Some work, boys. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, um, we're playing in the FA Cup, a little bit of a break from league action, 10-day break from league action. And to me, I reckon it's probably a 10-day break for from football for many of our squad. Surely Yukanovic is going to rotate for this game. Well, <laughs> I, don't know, uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Do you not think we will? Yeah, I mean, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Like, but you know what? <laughs> I don't think you will. I mean, if he does, it'll be like the odd player. Really? Yeah. I think we'll, uh, I I think think we'll start be to see some um, of those really like run-of-the-mill safe rotations that we have in like Molo, like uh, Norwood for Steph Joe yeah. and that sort of thing. I we think might see David Button back. Might see him back. What, is he going to be the cupkeeper? Hashtag bring back Button. Like when Bernelli was the cupkeeper last butts. year and then got into play- being the playoff keeper and he propelled us to the playoffs. Button's going to do the same thing, you know. Yeah. Propel us to the playoffs. No, I think that we'll probably see the likes of um, Delatore, Udun, maybe O'Reilly if we're lucky, um, maybe even Stephen Sessignon. I found out just on on that point. I found out a really weird fact about Matt O'Reilly. Today. Are you related to him? No, you know he's <laughs> eligible. He's not eligible for Ireland. He is eligible, however, for Denmark and Norway, and played two games for Denmark's under 16s before he moved, like transferred to England. How is that? Because you're related to him. Did you find him out at Christmas? I was looking at his Instagram. He's like, well, proud to make my debut for the Denmark under 16s. That's incredible. (laughs) We've got a new Christian Eriksen on our books. Yeah. And Norway. I'm surprised Steph isn't tapping him up. I'd be tapping him up. I would be. Steph. You'd be like, you'd be my long-term replacement as Norway captain. Given how bad Norway are at the moment, I'd definitely be tapping him up. Yeah. There you go. So you actually do genuinely think Slav won't rotate too much? No, I don't. As in, what, we've got a game and then we've got another week until another game, haven't we? Yeah, but I just would have thought, given that we now have a sniff of the playoffs, that FA Cup wouldn't be anywhere near the priority. No, I don't think he will, but I think he's trying. To, he'll probably try and keep his his sort of run of momentum going, or at least some sort of consistency. I, I'd imagine there'll be four or five changes, but there'll be safe and, and comfortable changes that we were expecting, rather than like wholesale shit. Like Lucas Piazza will probably start. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Rafa Suarez got a start, actually. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we should be expecting anyone to come in from the cold. I don't think we'll see someone like Jordan Graham suddenly starting at right wing, and I don't think we'll see Molo appearing from anywhere either. I think, I think Fonte so. will probably get a start. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Rafa Suarez might might get a start, and we'll probably see Adoy shifted out to right back. I, I, I mean, some of us will hope we see Jallo. I certainly don't, but we may do. Yeah. I'd have thought um, Sessegnon might get a rest, a rest after pl- starting every single game this season and playing 90 and all, but I think... The I think thing. he's only missed well, he uh, came 16 off last minutes night. Of, yeah. of, of football before last night. 
Although he might have wanted a chance to impress against a uh, Premier League side. And we'll come on to that, uh, I guess, a little bit more in the transfer section in a little bit. Um, Let's have a little look at Southampton. Uh, Winless since the end of November when they got a 4-1 victory against um, uh, an Everton side that were struggling big time at the time. This has all the makings of a potential cup scalp. They are really struggling at the moment. They're low on confidence. And if we're in the mood to do it, we could definitely get a win on Saturday. It's certainly possible, but it's going to be hugely difficult. They are still a, a good Southampton yeah. team full of talent. Uh, they're going to have Charlie Austin back from a three-match ban, um, who was on a fine uh, scoring run before he... Um, I think he's injured. I think he's injured as well. He got taken off against Huddersfield on a stretcher. He couldn't even walk off. Yeah. Yeah, really? they, reckon he's, they reckon he's out for at least two months. I think he's injured as well. And it means they've got an out-of-form Shane Long... Who now, did get potentially, now potentially, now potentially. Let's have a chat that. about the Irish Aguero, please. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love Shane Long. Yeah, I think he's a great, quality I think he's a great player, but he hasn't he had, before the weekend. He hadn't scored in eleven yeah. months. In the time that Shane Long hadn't scored up to the weekend, Harry Kane had scored fifty goals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we're not playing Spurs in the cup. We know how that went. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> sorry for the misinformation, listeners. I was not aside, aware he got stretched off. Aside Long. Uh, I think you obviously we have to be very much aware of someone like Manolo Gabbiadini, who's mm. got quality, although he hasn't particularly shown it this season just yet. I think when he arrived on the scene last year, he really did impress. I think he got four or five goals towards the end of the season for Southampton. And he's more than the capable striker, and he'll give our centre-back some sort of attention for sure. And I think, obviously, everyone knows that Southampton's, aside Tadic, probably the most um, dangerous parts of their pitch are in their, in their full-backs. And... Um, Jeremy Pierre um, actually made, I think, what is one of his very early appearances for Southampton this weekend and actually looked really good. Um, and even then, when Pierre's not there, they've got the likes of Cedric Suarez and uh, obviously in left back is Bertrand. And behind him, you've got Target. And I can't remember the other left back they also have. But they're they're very much adept at playing good wing backs. I tell I tell you what, one player to look out for is that Hoiberg in the middle. He's a bit of yeah. an unsung. He's quite absolute, got absolute Bayern, mustard. Didn't they? Yeah. He is an unbelievable footballer. I just don't think we'll see him. I, I really don't. I think Stephen Davis, who's been playing like a bench role basically of um and, and coming on, Fulham and, legend. He's obviously their captain as well. I think this is the kind of game that Stephen Davis will will be looking to make an impact yeah. in. He's 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 not really featured massively apart since sort of they since they lost at Man City a while back. That was the last time he really heavily featured. Yeah, sorry, the Everton game they won. Yeah. That was the last time he really heavily featured, and and since then he's been sort of a bit part player. Uh, and I think he's played against the weaker teams in the Premier League as well. So I think that they'll see this as an opportunity to give their skipper a run out. Yeah, I don't think that Pellegrini particularly trusts him as much as he trusts the 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 pivot pair of uh, Romeo and Hoiberg. And Hoiberg's really grown into his role recently. It's just a shame that he doesn't offer to, that that pivot doesn't offer a hell of a lot going forward. And it really suffocates the likes of Tadic and Buffal. Yeah. They really starve them of service. And there's no wonder they can't really get goals when they're quite conservative. You always think of Southampton as quite a, like a, a stubborn, uh, organised team to get through. And I think that's how they're playing under Pellegrini last this year, who really took Alaves to a different level last year and have dropped off now he's disappeared I certainly think there is a chance of getting Fulham getting a result um, I'm looking forward to a good game for sure and I think it will be a good game of football because there are, it'll be two teams going for the win 
It'll we haven't got a good recent record against Southampton, have we? I can't remember a game. Well, we lost our some... we lost our most recent game uh, against Southampton in the season that we got relegated from the Premier League. I think Southampton 4-1. won. I, I thought it was three nil, but I remember Lallana getting at least one or two though. Lambert uh, and Rodriguez scored as well, I think. Mm. But yeah, we we do have a pretty poor record uh, against Southampton, and even the season they came up was when uh, Berbatov scored, but. Uh, Southampton then got an equaliser and that was our last ever Boxing Day game as you'll remember from the uh, Christmas quiz. Um, But I I do think it is a game that we could potentially get a scalp. I guess for me it just does depend on how much importance we give to the FA Cup. Do you think that, for me last season, I felt that getting to the fifth round did impact us slightly when towards the end of March, and we remember it against Blackburn and Wolves, we started to tire and just if we had extra two week breaks whilst chasing the playoffs it could be that little bit of difference it's a lot of ifs and buts and Slavica has come out and said when we did get to the fifth round that he was going to put out a full strength team because he said the team are playing really well I don't want to break this team up um, and you know I think that I kind of buy into that somewhat because Slavica, Slavica has got a good record with it you know we did play really well towards the end of last season while trying to take it fairly seriously in the cup competitions. And perhaps it's the same this year, this year as well. Why you break up a team that are actually playing quite well at the moment? Interestingly, I think that the the word on the grapevine is that um, Pellegrino is in, in, Pellegrini, sorry, is in, a, in a, a fair bit of trouble um, and, and very much on the brink. And uh, yeah, Mark Hughes is obviously the one on the microscope and there are murmurs that a defeat this in the uh, FA Cup would actually be spell here the end of his tenure at Stoke. Surely. And I feel like I feel like a defeat for Pellegrino to a lower league club might be um, might be exactly the same. I keep calling him Pellegrino, it's Pellegrini. <laughs> um, but it, it was the same but the same kind of thing. He very much is on it. Then they need to he needs to start getting some results for somewhere and it, it, to be honest, an FA Cup run for Southampton might be the you know the saving grace of their season. But obviously, we're going to speak to a Southampton fan, so we'll, we'll see what his kind of opinion on it. I think I imagine his his view will be that uh, that survival is the main main you know concept, and and therefore like a cup run would be a bonus, but not necessarily something they're particularly interested in. Well, we'll have to wait and see uh, what Freddie from the Ugly Inside says. Uh, FA Cup memories, obviously, last season actually was quite a memorable cup run. Um, I, I mean, the Cardiff game was was a good performance, but the whole game at home particularly, I think will always stand in good memory for me, most particularly for Marcus Bettinelli's double save um, from Abel the striker, Hernandez, that's Abel Hernandez. Hernandez uh, towards the end of the game. And that Spurs game at the Cottage, yes, it didn't go to plan at all on the day, but because Spurs were brilliant. Spurs were amazing. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen from an opposition when they came to the cottage that day. But it was memorable. It was memorable. We were on the telly. It did feel like a big occasion. You guys got on BBC Sport. Yeah. You could. You could have if you didn't have work, Farrell. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, bills need to be paid. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we we spoke in that about our no guts, no glory moment, and we talked about the Wolves replay. So there's certainly. Uh, be, memories have been made in the FA Cup for Fulham since we came down to this tier. But it still doesn't, I guess, because we were a Premier League side, I still don't get the thrill because we're playing a Premier League club this weekend. I still don't have that thrill, even though it's been four or five seasons since coming down. Yeah, I do agree. Um, 
it's not it's not like we're playing in the fifth round against the Premier League team. That certainly did have a buzz about it last year. This year doesn't have as big buzz, but it is still the FA Cup. It's this unwritten, unfathomable, weird situation that you know this competition that's ahead of us. And I personally still am excited by the FA Cup. I'm still excited by the fact that Fulham do have a chance to get Wembley, although it's a very minute chance but there is a chance nonetheless yeah I mean I I like a cup run I'm not going to lie to you I, I have a, a soft spot for the magic of the cup but you know I, I, I wouldn't be averse to, to seeing some some blood blooding of youngsters and, and obviously that kind of automatically it makes you accept that if you then lose to a Premier League side while, while blooding youngsters you're not going to take it quite as harsh and I think that you know bringing these players through from the academy now is it's got to be one of our sort of main you know strands of adventure over the next couple of years and I think that it's some in a world where increasing fees and and you know transfer budgets and, and especially if we're going to remain in the championship that's you know it's going to become the main pipeline of talent for us and I think that that's that's kind of crucial to the development you know if you compare it to someone like Brentford who don't have an academy but they're kind of clout in the in the market is built by like an extensive scouting network in in Norway and and Denmark and and those Scandinavian countries but also their B team um you know that's the way they're doing and they use these games to blood those kind of players and, and see who's really ready to make up the step to the first team and i think ours is going to be different to that because obviously our academy is so well respected and we are bringing through such a tight pipeline of talent so I, I, I think it would be a good opportunity to blood blood some players and and to really give them a run out and see and see what we can do and and uh, and I'd rather see I think an experimental lineup than a than a full strength team. Maybe a similar outcome to what happened last year against Middlesbrough would all be uh, mm. quite a nice situation all round where we did play a young team and we still beat quite an experienced well as in like a fairly strong Premier League side, albeit it was Middlesbrough and. They weren't very strong in the league, but well, it was a strong team that they put out. Because Sorry, but I mean they included, weren't doing particularly well. Yeah, they weren't doing particularly well at that point. But the team they put out that night was basically the majority of the players that got them up in in from the championship into the Premier League. Actually, and I think for the most part, a lot of our of our younger players put in a really good shift and they made a really big name for themselves. And I think Idan in particular was ve- was very very good. I, f- I liked Delatore when he came on. I think um, Dennis Adenaran played then as well and. Um, unfortunately, he's not really kicked on as much as we thought he would at Everton. But yeah, that's a shame. I mean, it's I, th- I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against us using younger players. I think it's as Jack says, it's a really good way to give them some good concrete experience at such a young age. And not many players that are, are sub twenty one now really get a, a huge amount of playing time. And it's you know a lot of our age groups won the World Cup this year. And it's off the back of being really well coached. But it, there becomes a point now where you want to see them all playing first-team football. And we're lucky enough that a lot of the players that, that did participate in those World Cups across the summer that are part of our academy are going to go and play on for the first team. And we aren't scared to use them. You know, It's really encouraging to see. And the pipeline from the academy won't, won't ever stop. And this is as good a chance as any to give them that blooding. Well, uh, let's speak to Freddie now from a Southampton YouTube channel uh, called The Ugly Inside. Uh, I started off by asking him how seriously he thinks Southampton are going to take this year's FA Cup. Yeah, Saints fans cherish runs in the Cup. Um, We enjoyed ourselves last season, um, made some terrific memories going to Wembley to be robbed 
by a refereeing decision, a couple of offside or whatever, uh, offside goals, incorrect decisions, but we'd love a cup run. But I think I speak for maybe quite a few of the Saints fan base that would love a cut run and we might even take a good cut run, win a cup and even go down in the same season. We've seen it happen with Wigan and Birmingham in previous years and recent history. But yeah, as you say, FA Cup action would be a very much needed respite for the squad at the moment. Um, Pellegrino is under a lot of pressure. Um, disappointing result last night against Palace. And if he goes up to Craven Cottage and loses once again, then there's serious questions over Pellegrino. I mean... The, the backroom, the board have, have actually publicly given him the, the, the backing, but a lot of the fan base already unhappy, and there was a lot of unhappiness before Christmas and leading up to uh, last night's result. So FA Cup win would give us some respite and gives them a chance to uh, express themselves, let's say. We've got a fairly decent record at Craven Cottage, I think, a couple of years ago, a couple of goals from Rodriguez and, and Lalana, a 3 0 win that day yep. but it's a completely different side now the team is absolutely shot of confidence um, so the motivation to get up for the cup is certainly something that is needed uh, come 2 o'clock 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon and what were your feelings when you drew Fulham in the cup I mean obviously we're not doing so great ourselves in the championship this season bar some good results recently however a championship team away from home it, it does have the potential for a slip up yeah absolutely I mean when we saw, we saw Fulham come out of the cup we thought we'd take that you know it's not ideal it's a quirky little ground sometimes there's a really good atmosphere up at Craven Cottage, and it's not too far for us to go. So I think a lot of most of us are thinking about the travel on a distance. So hmm. Fulham, west side of London, really good for us to get to. If it was someone like Gateshead or Newcastle or someone like that in the FA Cup, there won't be too many going. But we've sold out our allocation. I think about 4,000 of us going. So it's going to be a really good atmosphere. Hmm. And the Saints fans away from home this season have been terrific. In fine voice up at Old Trafford a few week, uh, a few days ago before the new year, and in fine voice at Wembley as well. But yeah, there's certainly uh, a chance to slip up. Um, Jokanovic is a very good, very good manager in my opinion. You know, obviously got Watford out the uh, the division a couple of years ago, and seems like your priority is obviously promotion. So what we need to do, we need to exploit maybe the rotation policy that Jokanovic might bring in. Um, and as we spoke on our uh, preview just a second ago, you know, we think it might be seven or eight changes. So hopefully that will give a bit of confidence back to the squad and we've got a deep squad we've got a really good squad on paper but it's the motivation and we need to go up to Craven Cottage and put the game to bed as soon as possible yeah let's talk starting lineup. how many changes do you think Pellegrino is going to make you mentioned you've got a deep squad but FA Cup's going to be high up the priority list I would be surprised if you made too many changes what do you think he'll go for Every single week, Pellegrino uh, is a lottery for his selection. He makes four or five every single week, so I expect that to be pretty much the same um, at Craven Cottage on Saturday. So, actually, last night in the Palace game, two changes. That's probably the least amount of changes that he's done in the entire season. <laughs> it's a lottery every single week. I reckon he just grabs a hat in the dressing room. Right, lads, here we go. Here's your name. You're in the starting lineup, sort of thing. So. Honestly, it's a guess. Probably five, five or six changes are expected to, to happen on Saturday. Well, we uh, we have the same thing at Fulham. We call it Slav Bingo. So uh, I know how you feel. Interesting you mentioned Stephen Davis, obviously former Fulham player. Never worked out for him uh, at Fulham under Laurie Sanchez. He had the brilliant tactic of uh, playing 
a very small centre midfielder, Stephen Davies, and then sticking long balls over his head. So he never really got to see too much of the play uh, when he was a Fulham player. But he's done brilliantly uh, for you guys. What style of play have Southampton been playing this season? Obviously, you've been a very well known for being very organised tactically in the past few seasons. And obviously under Pochettino, I think, and even under Puel, you played a brilliant brand of football. Um, I saw quite a lot of the game, though, you played against Spurs. And there just seemed to be a lack of organisation across the board for Southampton and there was lots of poor performances uh, across the pitch. Why is it not clicking for Southampton? Is it because there's just been too many changes over the past few seasons and lightning doesn't strike three or four times as you've kind of been hoping for with all these changes of managers and regimes? Yeah, this is the first real test for the board. Um, This is the first time where you could say that the um, appointment in the summer has almost backfired and you've meant, and you know, as a as an outsider, if you're looking in, um, you see that there's a lot of disorganisation on the pitch against Tottenham, disorganisation against a lot of the teams this season, and it's really embarrassing to say that as Pellegrino was a very good tough tack and organised, uh, structured defender in his time, yet his team is so sloppy on the ball. I mean, last night, all right, the the pitch wasn't too good, the, the weather's the weather and the conditions weren't too great either, but it's the basics that we've been getting wrong this season, you know. We're happy to sit deep and content and, and maybe soak up a 1-0 lead, but we always allow the play, the team, the opposition to come back into the game. We allowed Palace to do that yesterday. We were too content to, to sit on that 1-0 win. And we like to hold the ball, push it around the back, knock it around, but there's really no much threat and there's not much uh, penetration up top. Um, yeah, really difficult to see um, on on Saturday, but, you know, it's it's been so frustrating watching Saints this season. I'm dejected just talking about it. <laughs> And it's a bit, that's the way that the, the fans are feeling at the moment. I think Pellegrino, if, if he goes on to lose this game on Saturday, there's got to be really big questions asked to the board. The, the backroom have backed him. And usually in football, when the backroom back a manager, he's often off in a, year, in a week or two. But we've also got this £75 million kitty as a transfer uh, for this window. So it's important to see what, what he does with it. Is, and then historically, Southampton as a club... Les Reed and, and, and the director of the director of football is always the one to choose the transfers. Not very often you get one or two, you get one or two over the over the course of the few years that the manager in that are actual managerial sort of uh, transfers. But yeah, difficult to see. Um, but yeah, as for the as for the setup, we're probably looking at uh, going down the wings. You know, keeping the uh, the midfielders on the ball. And you've mentioned Davis as well. Very hard-working midfielder. He'll give you 110%, as is Shane Long. But they don't offer too much elsewhere on the pitch. You know, balls go over Davis's head. They're over, often overhit for Shane Long if he's chasing the ball. But that's what you expect from workhorses, you know? Indeed. Finally, Freddie, can I get you to make uh, a prediction for Saturday's game? Obviously, a bit of doom and gloom uh, surrounding the club at the moment. But are you confident of a win in the Cup? I'm not too confident on a win. Um, what we don't want is a draw and what we obviously don't want is a loss um, if uh, actually a lad that I spoke to last night on our interviews outside the grounds what will probably happen is it'd be, it'd be like what happened a couple of years ago when we drew at Norwich in the, in the, um, in the FA Cup third round they come down here we, we only sneaked it 1-0 and then the, in the, the next round we got hammered by Arsenal but last season was uh, we were prioritising the League Cup this season, he's got no excuses. He absolutely has to prioritise this cup competition because we got knocked out of the first hurdle in the League Cup against 
a Wolves side that top of the championship looks like they run away with it but that was a Wolves side that made 11 changes that night so if as you say Jovanovic might make 7 or 8 changes and if we make a similar thing it's going to be embarrassing to go down there and uh, go down to a defeat but if he does go down to a defeat it's big questions um, and I don't see any way back from Pellegrino but my prediction I would like to stay positive I would like to think that um we can come away with a win and a win is what we need just any sort of win a comfortable win I'll probably go 2-1 Saints and uh, go on to the fourth round I hope well we'll have to wait and see what happens on Saturday Freddie thank you for joining me on Fulhamish today no problem mate take it easy welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast my name is Sammy James here with Jack Collins Ben Jarman and Farrell Monk. So we've just discussed uh, the Southampton game with Freddie. Good to get his thoughts. Uh, I did a reciprocal interview uh, for the Ugly Inside on Skype. Did you from, video it from my own living room? Are you going to be on the video? On the yeah, YouTube? I don't like. I don't like it. But face for radio, radio yeah, yeah. yeah. Face for radio, exactly. But um, well, do he check... knows that. That's why he works in radio. Uh, do check out their YouTube channel, though. It's a very good one, part of the Ball Street Network, and they do put out some good content. So if you've got a mate that's a Southampton fan, or you just have a particularly soft spot for Southampton for some weird reason, I do actually. There you are. There's a weird one. I've got a real weird soft spot for Southampton. Well, then you need done. to subscribe to the Ugly Insight. Yeah, no, no. Well, I don't have a soft spot that much. I'm just quite. I just <laughs> like, as, in if as in if they're playing a Premier. for bigging it up. No, but I do have a bit of a weird, um, a weird soft spot for Southampton. I quite like them. It is quite funny to think only a few years ago when we were two divisions apart and now you look at the difference between the two teams and it is... On FIFA 17, the journey, my um, my Alex Hunter played for Southampton, which kind of ruined the game dynamic because the big rivals, he, you know, you, the, the big rivals are Bournemouth, which didn't really quite work in, oh, no. in, in the context of the game. But you know what, it was it was a nice, it had a nice time playing up front with Gabby Adini and Shane Long. As a man from the South Coast, Bournemouth-Southampton is not a rivalry. It's, it's not a rivalry. It's a one-way it's rivalry. rivalry. It's not a rivalry. Neither of them think it's a rivalry. Oh, no, as in, did you, I really enjoyed, though, Charlie Austin's celebration the other week when Bournemouth were given it large and he was just like, small club, small club. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, oh, no. Uh, right, let's look on to transfers because we've been dying to talk about it, not just in this episode, but also the episode we recorded on Wednesday. Already some rumours flying about for Fulham in the transfer window. I fully expect there to be some activity. In, fa- in fact, if you do see MJG's graph on when Fulham have made transfers in January over the past few years, it's so heavily skewed towards the final day and the final two days of the month. So certainly don't expect any transfers uh, from Fulham before the last three or four days of the month. That uh, graph is very much worth a look. So if you don't follow at 1966MJG, you should be. We've been linked already with a couple of Liverpool loanees, Ryan Kent and Ben Woodburn. But don't we have too many loanees? Can yeah. we actually get another player on loan? No. Well, I mean, we can. We just can't put any more. We can. You can have as many players as you want on loan. You just can't put them all in the matchday squad. Mm. So no. we've already got two. We'd have to drop a player from the matchday squad if we were to get another player in on loan that we wanted to play. Yes, yeah. you can have, I believe, um, credit to Joe for this if it is correct, you can have eight loans as maximum have five in the matchday squad. Therefore, three would have to be somewhere else. Like, probably with Jordan Graham, to be fair. Yeah, in the cupboard under the stairs. What would you like to see come in in the summer? Sorry. In the summer? Not the summer. <laughs> I'm just wishful, think, wishful thinking uh, in January. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think that most Fulham fans feel similarly about this. Uh, obviously, I don't think we need to strengthen out wide. I think we've got a lot of 
not players out wide that can do a job for us. I feel like we probably need another striker. Um, I think I think we might see the end of Rufon, which I think is sad. I um, I think we might see him out on loan. There's already rumours of him going out on loan to Swansea, which what? is a um, which is an interesting one. But I think might actually suit him. I think um, it'd work. Yeah, playing off a like a striker like Abraham in that kind of sort of ten, but like removed nine role, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a thing. Obviously, Carvajal rate, uh, knows him and rates him. Um, which is which is an interesting one. So I mean, I think we might see the exit of Rufon and the uh, another striker coming in, um, which I think would be a shame. But you know what? Uh, at this point in the season, you know the, there are a lot of fans who I think would be pleased to see that. So you know that's that's. Do you know of... what? As much as Woodburn on loan sounds like, in theory, quite good. I think in practice is completely the wrong point. Yeah, like yeah, completely I, the wrong transfer. You don't want a seventeen-year-old coming in on loan when we're trying to gun for the playoffs. Also, it ben Woodburn's be someone... a winger. Yeah, it but should everyone, be completely the other way. It's really bizarre that everyone seems to be like touting Ben Woodburn as a striker. Ben Woodburn plays on the wing, a hundred percent. We don't need another winger. As in, if Jordan Graham left and we brought Ben Woodburn in as a replacement, I wouldn't think the squad wouldn't be worse. I don't think. But I just don't don't see why we I don't do see the that. Need for I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that's a good use of our transfer window. No, I, I think we need obviously we need a centre back, probably two. Um, we, we it would be it would be nice to have a left back because obviously Jukanovic doesn't trust Suarez, which is a shame again. And we would, we would like to see him really get a look in, but it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. So we just kind of got to accept that and accept that we need to get another left back in because you know we don't like Cesc playing there as we we stated on numerous occasions. And probably, I think then, I'd actually like to see another box-to-box midfielder. Um, ben pointed out on Monday's episode, I remember saying about John Terrell from Hull, I think is a good player. Um, but I think we need someone in that kind of mould to um, to basically give allow Steph to go off to do his operation. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and a striker, please. But realistically, are we going to make that many signings in January? I just cannot That's only see. Only four. Got to. I cannot see us making I, four I, signings. I don't. I, I've got to agree with Sammy there. I think if anything's going to happen, unless we lose a big player, I can't. I can't envisage. We, Fulham might bring in quite a few players, but anyone that's actually going to break into the team, that we might only see one or two. You, but we've done that in the summer, though. We brought in loads of players, and none of them have been any anywhere near effective other than Ojo. Well, I there think, you go then. Yeah, you know. but also we've but got, now we've got to get it right then. Well, we've got to bear well, in mind that that Klein's gone, and now James Lovell is in, and you know we've we've heard it from sources now that James Lovell likes Slavisa and and uh, Slavisa likes him. So you know if uh, if that's we can. Cute. If we can actually get that marriage between, you know, the actual first team coaching department and the people bringing statistical transfers in, then maybe we'll see some harmony in actually bringing in players that that, that Slavisa wants to play. But it still doesn't negate the fact that January is a terrible time to try and do any business of note. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with you as a, as a point of interest, but we have we did bring Breda Hangeland in in January. I think that I think times bit, have changed. Yeah, it's a bit few and far between. Yeah, you've got to look at the the record that Slavisa has already, regardless of Craig Klein or otherwise. That most, you know, ninety nine percent of his like good in inverted commas business has happened in the summer transfer windows. We've we've had him not in the Januarys, and that's when most of the players that have come in have played mostly. Um, and I think it would be quite a switch of character to suddenly start signing 10 players that are all going to start playing in January unless, you know, some really outstanding footballers... Really saying, we're not, I don't think we're saying 10, though. I think we're saying four that are going to make an impact. 
I just Pot- that's, potentially I that, that is, but that would be a maximum. I would say. I just can't yeah, see but, it being four. But why not? Just because I'm, I'm more going on Fulham's record. I'm not saying we shouldn't get four players in that make an impact. I'm just saying I cannot even comprehend that that will ever happen. Slavisa said he wants three. That was that's the statement that's come out of the club. Slavisa okay. said he wants three players. I think that we will end up signing four, but one of them might not make any impact. Right. Okay. That's my that Zachary Labiad. Yeah, as in the Labiad role, as Thomas in that Petzos. Thanos Petzos, yeah. Oh yeah, there's got to be one. There's always one. Well, we have no idea. It's not like we're a Premier, you know, a, a mid-table Premier League club now, where transfers can be kind of predicted in terms of where they're going to come from. You know, looking at Fulham's transfers, they're all come out of left field. They all come from Belgium or France. You know, not they did still. though. They did. That's not to say that they will still under level. Yeah, I absolutely. think we'll see, I think we'll see a change in recruitment policy this year. To be fair, it did come out of the club when Klein left, although be it muted, we didn't even we're not even looking at League One and, and two. And there are plenty of players in League One and Two who can make an impact on us. And we, we Jack certain, you've spoken Jack spoken Marriott. About this. Yeah, Jack yeah. Marriott. A very, a certain, very good player. A certain Cardiff uh, winger. Um God, I've forgotten his name. Oh, now. Nathaniel Mendes Lang. Yeah, Mendes Lang, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he, like, why aren't I don't understand. I think I heard this a couple of a couple of weeks ago. Why aren't we looking at someone a little bit more obvious who's going to really help us push these playoffs? I don't know why we aren't looking at although a couple of weeks ago, Jack, you did say that I don't know why someone would leave Preston for Fulham. Obviously, I don't know why we aren't raiding someone like F- Preston. I don't know why we aren't looking at the Barnsleys of this league. I don't Angus know why McDonald we aren't would looking, be a lovely addition. That would be I don't my... know why we aren't looking to pick up a couple of players from somewhere like Wigan. I don't know why we aren't even... But wouldn't they, it have, might, it, it wouldn't they a... have massively inflated yeah. to pick up someone from the championship, especially Preston? We'd have to pay yeah. such a premium. Yeah. yeah, but we could pick. We could raid someone like Brentford, though. Like This is a thing, because Brentford sell all their players. If we came in with an offer for a Brentford player, they, they literally can't afford to refuse it because the club has no money. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you went in for someone like... Three million, say for like Joseph Zoom, they probably would say yes. Yeah, they would because well, I mean that's it's not a good example because we don't need Joseph Zoom. Yeah, but, I know, like, but, but if we went in, if mind. we went in tomorrow for Ryan Woods and we put in a four million pid on the table, I reckon Brentford would struggle to like reject it. Mm. And Ryan Woods for four million pounds would be a good bit of business. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we don't know that they're not inquiring for these players, and I think that. Even even the Brentfords are turning around and going to Fulham now. We want we want ten mil or see you later. These players don't want to leave. Um, Jack, what questions came in about the transfers? Yes, there's, there's, there was a load of good questions. So this is from the the best question I've seen this week. So you get a clap. gold star. Yeah, I was going to say uh, money, but we actually don't have any, so we're not going to give you any money. <laughs> Um, we'll do if you buy some beer 52 I've now lost the question can we sell questions then promo we get code. some money to buy questions promo code Fulham or go to bet.fulhamish.co.uk and bet £5 get £20 I forgot to say that at the beginning of the podcast So you, you get 66 to 1 on Abubakar Kamara uh, being top scorer in this league if you really hate me that much <laughs> right here we are this is the questions from Joe F- at FFC Joe he says Slav says he wants to bring in three players. Let's assume these positions are centre-back, left-back and a striker. Who would your three realistic signings be if you were the manager? This is a great question. Like, a really good question. So I'm going to start with Ben, I think. Centre-back would be Courtney House, someone that I've liked for a while, plays for Wolves, although I'm not sure he's getting much of a look in this season. My left-back is 
actually a right back that's been playing left back this season and it's Andy Yardam who plays for Barnsley who can get up and down the wing very well he also is is capable of defending unlike modern day defenders he's actually a pretty good defender and I've watched him for a long time at Barnet as well he's he's a very good player I think my striker um, is probably going to be Jordan Hugill from Preston North End because I think that we need someone with a little bit of Hustle and bustle and a little bit of championship quality up there that definitely knows where the goal is. So I, I'm, I think that'll be my three. And if I'm going for a bonus ball, I'd like John Terrell. Yeah, nice, nice. Sammy? This isn't my area of expertise. Uh, I'm not massively clued up on tons and tons of squad players across the leagues in the same vein that Ben, yourself uh, and Dom... Um, I, I feel like Farrell might be in, in a similar boat to me as, as well. But I can say it how I see it. And one player that I did call out, and I don't know if he's available, but I said it earlier in the season, and it's one from left field, whether he'd come, I don't know. Up front, on loan, Peter Crouch. He's one goal away from being Stokes' top scorer of all time. <laughs> is, that, is that that important to Peter Crouch? Probably. Yeah. That's a massive record. I'm not sure... Can you I just sure. explain I, it? Or someone, a striker with experience. If if Daryl Murphy oh. was was available, yeah. any striker uh. who is oh, but I just think Mitrovic? it's to- I don't know if Mitrovic has the temperament at this level, and especially he look, played last year. Yeah, at this level. And he didn't score that many goals. The thing is with Mitrovic is yeah. The thing with Mitrovic is like look at the, his record in the Premier League, right? With uh, with disciplinary. His disciplinary, disciplinary. <laughs> his disciplinary record in the Premier League is what I'm trying to say here is bad and that's with Premier League referees defending him because mm. referees in the Premier League look after players more I wouldn't be averse to getting Mitrovic in and obviously he's Serbian so obviously he might get on with Jukanovic and Jukanovic might be able to keep him in line that's the only thing I'd say in, in, mm. in, in, in but, but I'm not sure his, his record is I think if we're going to bring a player in on loan from the Premier League it should potentially be Leonardo Ujoa yeah, that's a nice one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love him as well. Could we even get anywhere near his wages? No, I don't think so. I think this is going to be the real sticking point for us. I think uh, Fulham won't end up playing massive amount of wages on players anymore. Maybe, but Leicester aren't playing him. He's literally not playing. He's not even playing li- He's not even no, playing he's not cup playing, games. Yeah. So this like, is the thing, though, with the Premier League getting so much money now, even squad players are on like 50, 60 this grand. I mean, Leicester might be like, OK, if you can pay like 30%, you know, 30% even, of his yeah. wages, mm. then fine. Like Which that. makes me feel like this is why we're going to look to someone abroad, you know. Like this is this like is why this Pedro probably... Leon or something like have that. You got, have you got <laughs> any other answers for this? Man? I've got Lucas a couple of Farrell. So, well, yeah, Lucas Shaw would have probably been a good one. Um, I, I was I was thinking about Jordan Hugel as well because I, I watched him play the other week. But although there was a Cardiff Preston game, was probably one of the worst football games I've ever mm. watched in my life. And Jordan Hugel couldn't even make an impact in that. So they kind of you know, quelled my interest slightly, but he is still absolute quality. I would just like to see some experience. And and remember when we got Michael Turner on loan from Norwich for six months yep. and what a difference he made to our defence. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if another player of that calibre would do some good to us. But we seem to have this not over okay. 28. All right, so no, here's, here's, I do, my, I, here's my one. Yeah. Right, my left back I'd bring in would be Matt Target, who's made two Premier League appearances this season for Southampton. He's not going to look in. And he's 22. He's made Premier League appearances in the past. He's a left back, but can play left midfield. He's primarily a left back, but obviously has that attacking impetus because he's been used in a left midfield role before. Uh, he, he's able to get up and down the pitch. He's left footed, which helps. You know, it, it really does help a left back, especially with someone who's crossing. 
So I, I bring him in at left back because I think Southampton would let him out alone because he is a really good little player and he, he is going to be a good player for Southampton one day. He's not ready yet. So I think that'd be that'd be a yeah. good a good option. He is a good player. I th- I I would say that he's he's potentially too old for a Southampton to let him go out on loan. Maybe he six is... months though. If he performed really well in the championship, then they might bump him yeah. just bump up his value. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and also there's also the the distinct possibility that Bertrand will go in summer. Yeah, 100%. I think he needs to be ready for that and he needs to get minutes if that's going to happen. I think the centre-back I bring in will probably be Angus McDonald from Barnsley. I mentioned him earlier. Mm. Um, good player, big player, can play the ball out from feet. He's not quite the um, you know, the all-round centre-back that I think we, we would ideally get, but I think he's about as close as we could get to it without breaking the bank. Um, the other one I'd potentially look at is Dale Fry from Middlesbrough. Um, who just doesn't seem to be getting a game. Uh, he's a good player and, and he did quite well in the Premier League and, and especially the year before that in the Championship. So I think he might be a shout. And I'm going to go back to my original shout of Jack Marriott up front. I think if we're going if if Kamara is, is going to be a thing for Fulham this year, we have that kind of hulking, powerful forward that we... That we what we what we need is that sort of a bit nippier, um, you know, kind of clever forward. And I think Marriott fills that gap. He's small, but he's he's a very, very sharp player and he knows where the goal is. Small and sharp, but like Jack Collins. Yeah, literally me in f- football form. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, the centre backs, it's uh, I'm just interested to gather your thoughts because if centre back is where is one of the positions we're going to strengthen, is it a case of we're looking for a squad player or are we looking to replace Rima or Callas? We're looking for a starter, I think, or someone that can put genuine pressure on them. I think when you when you look at the squad in the way it is, we've got Madal who did impress me when he first came along. I'm not going to lie about that. And I think everyone knows this. But he's not providing any competition to Callas. He's not providing any competition to Reem. And nor is Jallo. And I think the picking of Doyle as a centre-back is just, a, is just you know, temporary. You really want someone to come in that's going to put pressure on two, those two players to perform to the best of their ability. Because Callas has dropped off a little bit recently. Um, and and Reem continues to play well, but could probably do a rest at some point. So you're looking at someone that's going to come in, slot in probably straight away and really put pressure on them. Mm. I, I, think, I think Thomas Callas has been off the boil. Recently. Most of the season. And I think that that comes from, a, I'm completely in with Ben here, I think that comes from a lack of competition, like serious competition for places. It might have given him a bit of kick up the backside that Dennis Adoy occasionally starts ahead of him, but... Uh, ultimately he's going to be like Dennis Doyle isn't a centre-back and this won't last long like yeah. ultimately he knows that when it comes to the crunch if, and if that was a big team we were playing on last night um, not last night when I, it comes I, to Middlesbrough I fully expect Callas to be back in and I think yeah, that's yeah. your point isn't yeah, it that is exactly if we point. get if, if we're suddenly in a playoff semi-final and there's no other competition Callas knows he's too big a player to drop to, to, he drops but I, if we had and Angus McDonald in, but I just don't. But the thing is, with someone like him, I don't see why he would leave being Barnsley first choice to being to having to fight for his place, even though he's moving up ten positions in the league. Mm. Dale Fry though, Middlesbrough, not getting mm. a game at all. Just you know, even if it was a loan deal, I don't think they'd sell him and put him on loan. To be honest, but even if it wasn't, to bring him in and be like, right, here you go. Here's a chance to really make your mark. You're an England under twenty one international. There were talks, of, you know, there was talk about you becoming a full international back in the day. You know, you've seen how well it worked out for someone like Ben Gibson uh, or, or Michael Keane or any of those kind of players. Come in, make your mark. Let's do it. And I think that's the kind of player you want: young, hungry, you know, eager to prove their worth, and someone that's really going to go. Okay, cool. Like I can, you know, someone experienced enough that they're not. We're not bringing a complete unknown here. 
but you know, old, uh, but also young enough that they're still like fighting to be making that big move. You know, at 29, uh, most centre backs are going. I'm probably not going to make that big move to this Premier League. You know, this isn't this isn't probably going to be a thing. I'm just may as well see out my years at like a comfortable level where I'm not challenging myself. Yeah. Weirdly, you kind of just described. Callus last season, basically. Yeah. Someone who was experienced, but young enough to make try and, you know, break out and make a big move. Um, I think it's probably his most difficult year this year because he's trying to sort of, you know, maybe make an improvement on what he did last year and maybe it's going a bit stale for him. One thing that's kind of striking out to me is how many times he's trying to make runs forwards uh, this year. Um, maybe trying to emulate his hero, Tim Ream, going forward as much because he's defensively not doing as well as he was last year. I suppose there's also something to consider in the case of Callas, and this actually hasn't been brought up, and I'm, it's just really occurred to me now that Callas would have gone out last season on loan thinking, this is great, and I, you know, I'm really, I, I, I want to state my claim here and then go back and, and really fight for a shirt at Chelsea. That's, you know, that's ultimately what he wanted, you'd imagine. But he's gone back, and they've gone, okay, you can come on tour with us. He's played a couple of games, and then he's seen a younger player in Andreas Christensen take his shirt and be like, right, this guy is this guy's the new John Terry, this guy's the new John Terry. You know, how long how many years ago was it when Callas played against Liverpool and shackled Suarez? Uh, was it Suarez and shackled him? And not absolute, Rafa. Yeah, not Rafa Suarez. But he um you know, and he must be thinking, maybe my shot's gone at Chelsea. Maybe my and maybe last year was his last chance to really prove that he had enough to cut it at Chelsea and even you know, he was good last season and even that wasn't enough to prove them that he was worth a, worth a punt even, especially yeah. with, you know, Zuma going out on loan and, and all those kind of things. You know, Chelsea have strength and depth at that, in that position and Callas must be thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to get my, my go there and, and that probably weighs on his mind a bit. It would weigh on, it would weigh on my mind. Yeah, and, and that may have affected his position this year. You always have to remember that these footballers are humans that we've dreams and aspirations at the end of the day and for Callas at the moment it must be quite a tricky period where he's trying to wonder where do I fit in in this pyramid am I going to be a mid-table Premier League uh, player or is the cha- or is the championship my level which must be hugely worrying to someone like Callas when you think he was dreaming of being in a Chelsea shirt less than two years ago yeah yeah uh, something that we don't often consider I suppose is just the fact that these players will be thinking about these things and those things weigh on players' minds. Stay with Fulham, Callas. You'll be all right. Yeah, uh, what, other, what other questions have we got related to the transfers, Jack? Was that the main one? That was my favourite one, so I'm, I'm not, not going to beat around the bush. But there are very, very good questions here about the transfer window. Should this is couple, actually A couple fun. quick, maybe? Yeah, this is fun. Alex from Pure Alex at Pure Power, regular contributor, so thank you, Alex. He says, Is a lack of transfer rumours linked to us slightly worrying? I think it suggests that we're going after players from abroad who are less likely to adapt quickly, which would make me think that Slav has written this season off. I think that's a very cynical way of looking at the transfer window, maybe. Um, I also think that when Fulham used to do some of their best business, a lot of it was kept under wraps until the very, very last minute. It's only recently that we've been able to really predict and see what Fulham are doing in the in the written media and then again on social media because someone seems to be leaking it from the, within the club. I remember when Fulham were signing some of the bigger players, we wouldn't even know about it until they were unveiled by the club. And I don't think that's bad bad by any mind, any means, because if anything, it means that the, the prices we're going to be paying aren't going to be anywhere near as high because they aren't going to be driven up by media speculation and, and other clubs just bidding for the sake of it. So I think it, that is quite cynical. 
it could, as you say, also mean that there are we're looking abroad, but then some of our better players um, that arrived last summer come from abroad and the likes of Cabano and Aite and that sort of thing, and they adapted very quickly, albeit it is slightly harder to do it in January in, in, in the colder weather and like adapt to a different lifestyle and culture, as we saw with someone like Syriac. But I do think that, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we aren't hearing stuff. And if if people and if it's like signings get unveiled pretty quickly, then it's a good start to the window. I think also from a less cynical point of view, I think that this window always starts slow. And when you actually think of who's writing these articles, people have just got back to work. I think... The clubs probably, they're probably thinking no club's really going to make any proper signings until later on in January. I think it will all speed up. I, I think the lack of rumours thus far isn't as cynical as Alex would believe. I, I can think, see his point. Yeah, I can see his point. Yeah, across the continent, I think I've only been two permanent signings so far. Yeah. Big yeah. ones, anyway. Yeah. Van Dijk and another one's Besiktas have picked up a Croatian defender, and that's all I've that's all I've seen. If I had to choose in between what kind of time of transfer uh, window we're going to have in terms of whether there's lots of rumours or no rumours at all, I would definitely take the latter because you know I pref- I much prefer Fulham doing their business under wraps. I'm um, not sure I could take the social media meltdown if we had no rumours. I know that's that's the other. I thing might that... just start some myself. Yeah. Hashtag ITK. Yeah. <laughs> I might start up Matt Briggs to Motherwell again. If you've been following me on Twitter for long enough, you know that I tried to pedal that for ages and it did actually get picked up by BBC once, which was great. <laughs> Jack's thinking of starting his own website, jackcollinsport.com. Yeah, ITK. Um, yeah, I can just like stand outside Motspur Park and just report on the fact that nothing's happening. <laughs> for 30 days. In fairness, Yacht has been well good for us this season. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> There is one more question. It's a little bit similar to, to the one we had earlier. This, we got it via an email, but it's from Will. He says, all right, lads, I'll keep it short and simple. Two positions to strengthen, which do you choose? Not players, just the positions you'd pick. And obviously we all want different things here, so I, I thought it was a, a reasonably nice way to end things. All right, should we just round this off? Will now, says, big fan of the podcast, keep it up. Thanks for listening, Will. Thank you. Thanks, Will. Cheers, Will. So I'll start with you, Sam. Two positions, go. Centre-half striker. Ben? Centre-half, left-back. Farrell? Striker. Centre-mid. So no need for a centre-back. You don't want our defence to get any better. Are you mad? <laughs> Mine would be. Well, well I, want all, I want all the positions to get better, obviously. Maybe I'll, ch- maybe I'll change that. Cause... You know what should, should be on the highest on the, on the priority Keeper. list is that well, keepers are mine really would be goalkeeper and centre half. They would actually, yeah, I think I'd go, I'd go goalkeeper. A player actually. that we could play against uh, across the whole back four would be great. Like a player that is a doy, like a Joe Gomez. Yeah, like a Joe yeah. Gomez or like a Tyrone Mings would be like a very good signing. Tyrone Mings hasn't. I don't think he's played much for Bournemouth. Yeah, he's come off a big injury. It might loan him out for six months. Maybe. Yeah, centre half, nice. centre half, and keeper would be my two. <laughs> Wayne Bridge style, the long injury. Farrell, you're a left back, aren't you? I am, and I can play across all. Yeah, you can play the across position. the back line. I yeah. can play across the back line. There we go. That's the solution. Yeah, I'm available. I need. need I do need to uh, work off quite a lot of um, food and booze from the Christmas yeah. period, but I'm ready. I'm ready and available. I just got to take off some time 
from work. Hashtag we- welcome monk. Who's <laughs> <laughs> known the Christmas period? It's the guy from uh, Mean Machine. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Gary Monk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Farrell will turn up in the suit and he'll look like the manager. Yeah, yeah. It'll be very confusing for Savlisa, I imagine. Right, well, that is all we've got time for today on this week's Fulhamish Extra. Uh, we will be back on Monday reviewing the Southampton FA Cup game and we'll have another Fulhamish Extra next week previewing the Middlesbrough game as we return to league action. So all that is left for me to say is thank you, Ben Jarman. Thanks, Sambo. Thank you, Jack Collins. Big up yourself. And thank you, Farrell Monk. Thank you, Sammy. We'll see you after the weekend. Bye-bye. Toodles. Bye. Bye. Who gives you extra? Who? Who? Fulhamish do. do.